Rolling Stones magazine released an updated version of the top 500 albums of all time. A list like this was bound to spark controversy. So I'm here to give my opinion on how these albums stack up. I'm Gibbs, and welcome to the Rolling Review. What is up everybody? Gibbs here with number 428 on the Rolling Stones top 500 greatest albums of all time. It's Husker Du with New Day Rising. New Day Rising is the third studio album by the American punk rock band Husker Du. It was released January of 1985, recorded July of 1984 at Nicolette Studios in Minneapolis. The genre of the album is post-hardcore alternative rock. It was released on the label of SST, produced by Husker Du and Spot. There were 15 tracks on this album, but only one was released as a single that was Celebrated Summer. On this album, Husker Du originally just wanted to produce the album by themselves. They didn't want any outside interference with it. But the label of SST insisted that they include Spot as a producer on this album. And Spot had worked with Husker Du on all of their albums previous to this one. But they really wanted to step away from that and just have the freedom to produce it themselves. But that request was denied, thus the recording atmosphere was a little tense at times. This album also tended to step away from the hardcore punk that they were known from earlier releases and moved into a little slower, more melodic material. And... Although I still consider this very much a punk record and a lot of punk aspects to it, a lot of the tracks were quicker paced, but more traditional punk fans did not really receive the album well and thought that because of their musicianship on this album and the overall production of the album that they had gone more commercial And the band really had to defend themselves against the accusations that they were selling out. And I feel like that's a common theme in the punk realm of things. It seems like those fans are very quick to turn on bands if they get even the slightest bit of commercial success. Which, you think that you would celebrate the fact that people of all kinds, were really liking the kind of music that you were into, and were really into the same bands that you were into. But a lot of these fans view it as selling out, and no longer being true to the punk roots, just because of a little commercial success, which I think is just crazy, because I personally love when music that I like is liked by others, and it's getting well-received recognition around the music world and it just makes me happy that I share those common interests with many other people and to see those bands achieve great things makes me happy that they are going to be around for a while continuing to make music because people enjoy that music but these punk fans definitely thought otherwise they've done it with other bands they kind of out cast them as soon as they become just the slightest bit of commercial success. The album cover features a sunrise on a body of water with two dogs playing in that body of water and it was 
a photo that was shot at Hidden Beach in Minneapolis where they were recording the record. And that is now known as Cedar Lake East Beach, in case you were planning on going there to try to uh, recreate the shot. Kind of surprising to me, the album was met by fairly positive criticism when it was released, and even landed on a lot of year-end best-of lists, such as the NME, who placed the album at ninth on their list of top albums of 1985, and the New York Times critic placed New Day Rising at third on his best albums of 1985 list. And I say that that's surprising to me just because we talked about punk rock isn't really that mainstream of music. So it's kind of surprising with everything else going on at the time that this album would be included on your end list. As well as peaking at 10th place on the UK independent album charts. Since its release, it's also been put on many lists that look back on past albums. It was ranked 13th in Spin's 100 Greatest Albums from 1985 to 2005. In 2014, it was ranked 51st in Spin's The 300 Best Albums of the Past 30 Years, which was 1985 to 2014. Pop Matters had it on their list of 12 essential alternative rock albums from the 1980s. And it made, of course, the Rolling Stones Top 500 Greatest Albums of All Time, which is the second time that I've noticed that I can remember an album actually going up on the list as new versions of it were posted. In 2003, Rolling Stones magazine had this album ranked at number 495 on the list. And in 2012, they pushed it up to 488. And now it's made its way to 428 in the 2020 edition of this list. So they continue to see its significance even more as they keep looking back on these albums. Which, from my opinion, I don't really understand how it's gained more popularity and made its way up the list as much as it has, I realize that some bands find a lot of influence in this album. And I even read that Kurt Cobain was a huge fan of Husker Du and even wanted Bob Mould to originally produce Nevermind, which ended up being produced by Butch Vig instead. And it's just hard for me after listening to this album to imagine Nevermind if Bob Mould was in charge of producing it, just because I didn't feel like this was a very well-produced album. And I don't know how much of that is to blame on Spot, or how much of that is to blame on Husker Du, and Bob Mould, or what kind of sound they were going for, but I thought this album sounded very poorly produced. When I read about why punk rock fans at the time were rejecting this album, it kind of blows my mind, because I see this as a true traditional punk album, with the exception of there was a 
track called Book of UFOs, which featured some piano on it, which was played by the drum player. But you don't really hear a lot of piano in punk rock music. You don't think piano when you think punk rock music. And I know nowadays you got pop punk and there's keyboards and synths and stuff involved in some of that. So that track was a little bit outside of the realm of what punk rock fans probably expected at the time. But other than that, I feel like they should have probably enjoyed this album because it didn't seem commercially produced. That was their biggest complaint, is it seemed so commercially produced. But it doesn't. Commercially produced music, to me, means little to no imperfections and great sound quality. This album doesn't have that. There are imperfections in it. And honestly, my biggest complaint about this whole album is the fact that half the time I can't hear the vocals. It seems like they have the guitars and the drums turned up so loud that you're straining to hear what the vocalist is saying. Not that the lyrics on this album were particularly good, because honestly, songs like How to Skin a Cat, I don't even know why you even think to write a song like that. It was a very weird song. It hit me as weird. Probably another track that I would consider not punk rocky because it kind of had electronic elements to it more. But on a lot of these tracks on this album, I can't hear what's being said, which is a huge, huge problem with me. And mainly for the fact that it would be different if I couldn't hear what was going on vocally, but there was something interesting musically happening. But that wasn't the case. A lot of this album, you just have a guitar chugging through the same chord progression. You have the drums, practically the same drum beat on every song, punk rock drum beat. So you have this loud repetitiveness over top blaring out what's trying to be said vocally. And I feel like I would have enjoyed the vocals being turned up a little more because I felt like he had a great punk rock voice. I liked it when he was kind of yelling and stuff. You got that emotion out of him and it sounded fairly in key. So it didn't sound bad. It was just turned down so low that you couldn't even understand it. And yet they say this album is too commercial. I don't get it. I don't get how they praise this album for being well produced when you can't even hear the vocals because the guitars and everything are just turned way, way up. And again, it's not even like it's a high quality sound for the guitars. It's a very... It seems like someone just put a mic in the middle of the room and let the band play. It doesn't sound like anything is really mic'd up well. And that's not to say that there weren't good qualities to this album, because I do feel like there were some decent tracks in there. I liked Powerline a lot. I liked Celebrated Summer quite a bit. I liked Folklore. I mean, 
there were these tracks on there that were good. Terms of Psychic Warfare. I liked that one. So there were these tracks on there that I liked listening to. I just wish that they were better produced and I could hear the vocals turned up a little more. But I could definitely hear good things. And I could hear... It's interesting when you listen to maybe older artists and you have newer artists in mind. And although I don't know who all was inspired by Husker Du, I know that Kurt Cobain was. But you hear certain things in this older music that you would imagine, even if they don't come out and say that they were inspired by this album, you hear things that maybe bands had picked out and tweaked and reworked a little more and perfected. And that's where I feel like this album was probably very influential for a lot of 90s bands. Because I feel like there's a lot of 90s alternative rock roots in this album. So I'm wondering a little bit if this album isn't really getting credit for necessarily how good it is. But for maybe the influence that it had on later music. Is it getting credit for... Kurt Cobain being inspired by that so maybe he writes songs based on how Husker Du wrote songs so maybe this album has to be really really good because a really really good artist that we like now was inspired by it I mean yeah they deserve all the credit for planting the seed but were they the ones that nurtured it and turned it and made it grow into what it grew to I don't know this album just leaves me baffled in some ways because I wanted to really like it. I read up about it beforehand. You see who was inspired by this album, and I don't know, maybe that made me kind of hold it to a higher standard than what it was. It's hard to say, but I'm sitting here looking at list of the albums that I've listened to so far, and... I have a hard time putting this one above a lot of the ones that I've listened to. So, I know this is back-to-back big drops, which is just kind of crazy to think that these albums would be switching spaces that much. But this one's not going to fall back as far as I had the four tops falling back. This one's going to fall back to 472. So, it's still coming up a little more than the 488 spot that Rolling Stones had this at in 2012, but I just can't get it all the way up here to 428, so I'm going to put it back at 472 for the time being, which is right ahead of Pavement's Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain, and just below LCD Sound System Sound of Silver. Would love to know your thoughts and opinions on it, so you can reach me, the Rolling Review at yahoo.com, or going over to Facebook, liking the fan page, you can comment there, see updated versions of the list so far. I also try to post that over on Instagram, and I do that along with the notes I take while I'm listening to the album, so you can kind of, if you're listening through the album, want to look back and see what I thought about it, and you don't want to listen to this whole episode over again, you can kind of get the Cliff's notes there. 
Next time, at 427, we have Al Green with Call Me. Until then, I'm Gibbs, this is The Rolling Review. Stay safe, and be kind.